Hello, and welcome to Daily Rhythms. This is the Discipline of Worship, Part 2. Not one, but two. Everybody quiet, please. We're rolling. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, thanks for tuning in to Daily Rhythms. I am your host, Victor Hunter. Let's begin this episode with prayer. Dear God, you are worthy of our worship. You alone are worthy of our praise. We confess that we often forget that, which causes us to bow down to lesser gods. As your people, we, here and now, recommit ourselves to giving you all the worship, glory, and honor that you so richly deserve. We thank you that you welcome us into your presence, even in our brokenness. We ask your blessings upon our time in your word today, as we feast upon what you have for us. Please use the limited nature of my words to somehow convey the good news of the gospel to those who are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. When my wife and I were first married, uh, we attended a wonderful church in Abilene, Texas. And this church had uh, built into its DNA something called the call to worship at the beginning of the service. And maybe some of you go to uh, churches that, that have something like this. So the first song and the first reading reminded the worshiper of the solemnness of that moment. It was actually my favorite part of the service, to be honest. This is essentially what God calls his people to, a call to worship. The only difference is that it is not just limited to a Sunday worship service, but a 24-7 worship service that is never-ending. Scripture is filled with instances in which God calls his people to worship him. Let's look at a few of these. If you will recall, uh, in both Matthew 4 and Luke 4, Jesus is being tempted in the wilderness by the devil. At one point, the devil tempts Jesus with all the kingdoms of the world, and all Jesus has to do is fall down and worship him. Jesus responds by saying, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Jesus' response is a paraphrase of two Old Testament verses. The first one is in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13. In this verse, Moses is giving a solemn charge to the children of Israel. He says, It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. And then in 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 3, Samuel gives basically the same charge when he says, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods 
and the Ashtaroth from among you, and direct your heart to the Lord, and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. This is a, co a wholehearted devotion to God. This is a call to get rid of every idol of our heart that competes with that wholehearted devotion. Take just a minute to identify those idols that vie for your attention. Remember the uh, idol identifying questions from our last episode? What do I care about the most? What drives me from the time I wake up in the morning to the time I go to sleep at night? What do I spend the majority of my time focusing on? What is it that I feel I cannot live without? And I'll add this one. What has me in its grip? You got your list? I got mine. Now then, what are you willing to do to get rid of those idols? That might take a bit longer. So you're welcome to do that at your leisure. But this is what God requires of us. Wholehearted, unwavering, dedicated worship. Now, when we hear this, we think, that's impossible. There are so many things that buy for my attention, Victor. There's no way I can dedicate my whole heart to God. But this, my friends, is our call. This was why we were created. We were not created to live unto ourselves, but to live for the one who created us. What does Jesus say is the first and great commandment of the law? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Now, we are inclined to ask, why? Why does God require this all-or-nothing business of us? More on that later, so stay tuned. For now, let's look at another example in the Bible in which God calls his people to worship him. And it's one of my favorites. Now, all of us are familiar with the story of the Exodus, or, or most of us, I shall say. Uh, in fact, those of us who are older, uh, sorry, more seasoned, remember the movie The Ten Commandments starring Charlton Heston as Moses. We remember how Moses and Aaron go to Pharaoh with a command directly from God Almighty to let his people go. And truth be told, most of us don't remember anything beyond that phrase. But let's look at what Moses and Aaron say to Pharaoh in its entirety. Exodus chapter 5, verse 1 says, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go. And watch this, That they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. This command is repeated in other places where this scene 
uh, is played out. There's Exodus chapter 7, verse 16, chapter 8, verse 1, chapter 8, verse 20, chapter 9, verse 13, and chapter 10, verse 3. In all of these verses, Moses and Aaron tell Pharaoh the same thing, that the Lord commands him to let his people go so that they could serve him. This was God's call to worship to his people Israel. It is not too far-fetched for us to believe that he is extending that same call to his people today. Last but not least, there's Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Here's what the Apostle Paul says to his beloved church at Rome in his letter to them. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters as well, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Now let's stop right there for a moment. When we present our bodies to God, we are presenting our entire being, all that we are, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And this is considered a living sacrifice to God, in contrast to the dead sacrifices required under the Old Covenant. So we are living sacrifices, not dead sacrifices. I love the way commentary, uh, Bible, commentary uh, Bible commentator Warren Wiersbe puts this. He says, the Lord may ask some of us to die for him, but he asks all of us to live for him. I love that. And this, Paul says, is our spiritual act of worship to God. So do you see why this call to worship extends beyond Sunday morning? It's not something that we can compartmentalize to one day of the week or even to one area of our lives. God requires that we worship him with everything within us. Just as a side note, did you know that every area of our lives is considered worship? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10.31, So, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. If you are eating a Big Mac at McDonald's or drinking a McDonald's Coke, preferably diet, do it to the glory of God. If you are a computer programmer, do it to the glory of God. If you are a parent raising kids, changing diapers, feeding, do it to the glory of God. If you are a factory worker, do it to the glory of God. If you are a librarian, such as myself, do it to the glory of God. 
if you're talking to that neighbor across the fence that you really didn't care for anyway, do it to the glory of God. This is considered worship, my friends. In fact, when it comes to our work, we are reminded by the Apostle Paul in Colossians 3, 23, and 24, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So now we get to the question of why. I told you we'd come back to that. Not only because God is so worthy of our worship, but if that were not enough, we have been blessed with incredible mercies by God. Paul uses the phrase in Romans 12:1, by the mercies of God. The New Living Translation expresses the thought this way. When you think of what he has done for you, is this, meaning worship, too much to ask? Think about that. We are recipients of God's mercy, plain and simple. We are deserving of God's wrath. When I look at the Old Testament and see how God's wrath was poured out on his people and how that wrath was finally satisfied through the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the most natural thing for me to do is to worship him. And I do that by giving to him all that I am. Amen. But Paul goes further in verse 2 of Romans 12. He says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, when we worship God in the ways described above, things start to happen. God begins to change us from the inside out. This inner transformation is the result of totally surrendering our body mind, and will to God in the act of spiritual worship. Now, there are some things that will block this inner transformation, no matter how much we worship on the outside. My junior year in college, um, I took a computer course called Computers in Today's World. Uh, now, of course, this was back in the 80s, so that was today's world then. But I digress. In that course, we talked about a process called G-I-G-O. Not G.I. Joe, but G-I-G-O. And that stands for garbage in, garbage out. In other words, what you feed into a computer is what will come out of a computer. Garbage in, garbage out. The same is true with the mind. If we put garbage into our minds, it can't help but produce garbage, which is why Paul instructs us in Philippians 4.8 to think about whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, 
Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Once we clear out the clutter from the garage of our minds, um, to use another metaphor in case you didn't get the computer thing, to use an, uh, and we are free to worship God unhindered. So there is a connection, Paul seems to be saying, between the way we worship and the way we live our lives. This is the worship that pleases our God. Now this last point I'm about to make is crucial. This radical form of worship is not something that we can manufacture through our own efforts. It is something that happens through a yielding, a surrendering to the power of the Holy Spirit and the transformative work he wants to do in our lives. May we all be empowered by the Holy Spirit to obey God's call to radical worship. I hope this episode has been a blessing to you. Would you bow with me in prayer? Dear God, we give ourselves totally to worshiping you. We cast aside all idols that compete for dominance in our hearts and worship you and only you. We thank you with our lives, O Lord, and praise you with the songs we sing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, please join me on the September 15th episode of Daily Rhythms when we will be joined by my good friend, Jalisa McCleary, and she will be talking about the culture of worship in a local church. So don't want you to miss that. Until then, may you continue abiding in Christ. God's blessings to you all.